Welcome. You found Out of the Ordinary, the show where we help you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And today we are talking about fences that are like middle fingers. What? (laughs) I know. Last week we talked about neighboring that feels like a Hallmark movie. And this week it's like neighboring that feels more like a Lifetime movie. So uh, (laughs) get comfy. Here we go. Well, Lisa Joe, last week's podcast conversation was the one we did not plan. <laughs> we detoured into Halloween <laughs> because we had just lived it, and apparently we had things to say, but it was related to the topic we had planned, which is a conversation about neighbors, and that is the conversation we're going to have today. And I was just remembering that before I moved to Maplehurst, so this old farmhouse in Pennsylvania, I remember um, having like two two things in my prayers, like two desires or two things I felt like God was inviting me and my family into in the future. And one was caring for some kind of place with land or gardens, you know, somehow caring for a place that we could share with others. And the other thing was um, community and neighbors, somehow having neighbors, relating to neighbors, you know, being connected to neighbors. And I remember always in my prayers, I was thinking, how could you do both? Like in my head, farmhouses didn't have neighbors. Mm. They were out in the country. (laughs) And then we arrived here at Maplehurst and I I was like, oh, this is what it could look like. Because here at this farmhouse, the farm was sold off long ago and a developer came in and built a neighborhood of houses. So now, yes, we're on a, in a farmhouse with a little bit of land where we can garden and we're surrounded by people. And it was like the solution to the riddle that I couldn't, I couldn't see. But the reason we're going to talk about neighbors today is because you actually shared this great post on Instagram recently. And don't worry, dear listeners, if you're not on Instagram, because I'm going to read a little bit and I think you'll see why. So it's a longer post. If you want to read the whole thing, go find Lisa Jo Baker on Instagram. But here is a little bit. So you say, Lisa Jo, for two years, driving by this fence has been a test of my salvation. (laughs) How can I uncomplicate the story? Do you know the poem by Robert Frost, Mending Walls? Is it Mending Wall? Mending Wall. It has this line, good fences make good neighbors. Well, in the middle of a conversation we were having with our neighbors who don't actually live in the neighborhood, they simply responded with this fence. And on Instagram, you show us a photo of this. I must say, Lisa Joe, it's a very lovely fence. It's It's a pretty split rail fence. Yes. (laughs) Oh, but this fence, this fence is not just a fence, is it? Oh, my goodness. So this there's this post is excellent, and you call us to a more, I will say, less movie version, less Hallmark less version Hallmark. of what it's like to, <laughs> to be, be a, a neighbor. neighbor. But I feel like we need to hear the story behind the post, and we definitely need to hear the full story behind the fence. Because I will say it's a very pretty picture because it's very scenic. Um, it's a piece of ground that, na- that these neighbors own where there's nothing on it. There's no house or anything. And it's very scenic. There are beautiful trees. And there's this fence they built now that always feels like a very scenic, beautifully well-lit 
middle finger that they give us oh, no. when we oh, drive no. by it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just putting out there. This is a podcast about ordinary life. And this has been one of the tensions we've had to navigate the last two years. So I've thought a lot about how can we have this conversation without, um, I don't want to feel like I'm gossiping about my neighbors. So I have thought about everything I share here, and I hope that if they were listening, I would feel comfortable with it. And it, and I think uh, they're are, they're aware that the fence is like a middle finger. I actually think that was intentional <laughs> on their part, and on our part, we've had to try and reconcile with it. So, yeah, last week we talked about just picturesque small town Americana moments yeah. <laughs> that are beautifully lit, and there's trees in all different colors and glory, and families connecting, and how beautiful. It is and it's only fair to do an episode now that says but you know hallmark isn't every day it is a lovely experience we step in and out of and we all have incredibly beautiful experiences in our neighborhoods and then we have you know the grittier ones that are difficult and challenging and i've thought a lot about that fence because i think as christians we tend to throw around this concept of love your neighbor as yourself that jesus talked about in the parable of the good samaritan and i think we throw it around and we like hand it out like halloween candy almost you know like we just think it's this easy fun sweet precious thing there are tons of memes and quotes but it is very very different when there is a neighbor who actively is trying to be as disagreeable as possible and and you have to constantly interact with that disagreeability. That is like this little burr or thorn or actually um, around here we have these plants. I don't know what you call them, but they grow quite tall and high. They um, they dry out and they've got these little black tiny thorns attached to them that stick in your socks. Do you know what I'm talking about? We call those, we call them blackjacks um, in South Africa. I don't, I don't know what you call them here, but do you know what I'm talking about? Like you'll be walking along and the next thing you're like, why do my socks prickle? And then you look down and there's all these tiny little black darts sticking out of them. Mm-hmm. Listeners, I don't know what Sneaky that is called, seeds. but uh, we call them blackjacks. But that's how sometimes being in a neighborhood can feel like you're driving along and you think everything's fine. And the next thing you're like, whoa, what's that prickly thing? And you look down and some neighbor (laughs) has like got mad at you and they're prickly and you're trying to figure it out. And that's, that's been a lot of the story with the fence and without going into sort of the background drama, (laughs) uh, it's the easy way of saying it is that the property we bought, um, came with on our deed a right-of-way, an exit driveway out the back of our property. In addition to the one in the front, it's kind of an acre, country-ish kind of property, and there's this back exit that makes life simpler. Um, But our neighbors who own the piece of property that the right-of-way crosses dispute whether that was legally included in our deed. The problem is we did not know that. Like We bought the property thinking we have this right-of-way, and, uh, and they didn't want us to use it. And so we had a really wonderful attorney who did all the research on the plots of land and plats and said, yeah, you do have it. And so we had written to them about it, thinking we would dialogue. We had tried talking on the phone. We had tried inviting them over to talk, and they were never interested in doing that. Um, and so they responded to our correspondence by building a fence across the right of way so that we couldn't, dr- we couldn't drive there even if we wanted to. <laughs> 
And it was such a strange experience because I thought, wait, we're doing what Pete and I are being such grownups, you know, we're having correspondence, we had a, you know, a land or whatever you call, you know, real estate attorney helping us navigate all the different deeds that date back, you know, hundreds of years here and trying to communicate our different points of view. And then they just built a fence which felt like a door just literally slamming in your face. And we're essentially like, they never wrote back nothing. They just built this fence. And so it was, and then we ran out of funds to con, you know, try to contest it. <laughs> and, you know, we weren't going to go get a tractor and rip the fence out, <laughs> which is what, you know, sometimes we've been tempted to do. So there it is. The fence exists. And uh, it's been interesting because I can sometimes gauge my level of, Christianese. And I say Christianese because I think we think being a Christian is this, and we, we confuse ourselves. We think it's about being a good person, right? Like thinking good thoughts and thinking loving thoughts, where I don't think that's what being a Christian is. Being a Christian is bringing my whole self to Christ and saying, I'm not capable of being a good person. I need you, Jesus. Um, and so I, I can gauge my level of Christianese is when I'm driving by that fence, some days I feel loving feelings in my heart toward them if I'm <laughs> listening to, you know, Maverick City music on the radio. But other days, if I've been irritated with my kids, I feel angry feelings toward them. And so I have to remember my feelings are really irrelevant in this situation because when Christ says, love your neighbor, like as yourself, like period, that's the end. <laughs> so you can disagree with your neighbor. You can feel mad. You can feel irritated. You can feel like you wish you had a tractor to plow down the fence. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because Jesus is telling you to love them anyway. And so we have these really funny conversations because my children also will react to the fence. Some days they don't talk about it at all. Other days they'll just out of the blue, like my teenagers will be like, the fence makes me so mad. Every time I look at it, I feel angry. And it has been a practical ongoing experience of Jesus's parable about the Good Samaritan. And this is where I want to loop back to last week. Last week, we talked about how our faith is an embodied faith. That's why we have spiritual practices like baptism. You get in the water, you fully submerge, you align with Christ in that way. The problem is, I think Christianity is, it easily becomes either cerebral or emotional. It's not physical. So, we can think about what we believe. We can have feelings about what we believe, either positive toward people or negative and angry and defensive. But very rarely do we put it into, into motion in our bodies. And so it's easy to have the parable of love your neighbor as yourself and to think and feel about it. It is different to have a body that has to drive by something that your neighbor has erected <laughs> in a way that makes you feel in your body angry, sad, mad, and then have to tell yourself, wait, but I constantly have to work out when I drive by here, the choice that Jesus has given me, the commandment to love them more. If you are a follower of Jesus, whether they were wrong, ultimately is not part of the equation of whether you love them or not. That might be a relevant conversation, but it is irrelevant when it comes to the command to love. So, I mean, it's like a living parable, Christy. We drive by there and then we have to embody that parable in our bodies, our real lives, our conversations, our teenagers, and how they want to go and get a, a saw, an axe. I mean, they, <laughs> the things they've, a chainsaw. Can I just go and chainsaw that fence, you know? <laughs> and, and I guess you could because these neighbors, they don't even live here. They don't have a house. It's just a vacant piece of land. I know. I'm looking at it and does it have, okay, this is so unimportant, but does it have wire on it or is it just the wood? 
Yeah, it's just the wood. Because I feel like, couldn't you just slip? Like, could you s- slide through if you slipped a few of those boards out? Okay, oh. <laughs> let's. I, I, we won't go there. Don't but, tempt us. But Lead the us not into I'm temptation. Be, right. It's not just that. It's not just the principle of it. But am I right in remembering that because of that fence, you now have to drive all the way around right. in order to exit your neighborhood? That's so correct. it actually adds like it adds quite it's a bit to your yes to every trip you make. Correct. So we embody it. We live out the obstacle that they have put up on our property that we purchased thinking we had a right to. And I know people are listening and are going to be like, why don't you do X, Y, Z? Whatever it is you think we should do, let me just assure you, we have done that thing. (laughs) We have thought about it. We have done it. We've been mindful. We've tried to proceed in all the ways that are afforded to us. And, uh, And then we ran out of resources. And so some conversations require resources to continue if the people won't talk to you. And so we're paused at this point. But here's a funny thing. When my children complain about this, how annoying it is that we can't just, you know, zip out of the back entrance of our property. I say to them this, yes, but here's the interesting thing. If we just went out the back exit, we wouldn't drive past any of our neighbors' homes. It's just immediately then like kind of onto the main thoroughfare. But because we're forced to always drive through, we drive through our little, Zoe calls it our little village. It's a gravel, you know, gravel paving around here. There are all these little hodgepodge of houses. It's not a, a normal development. It's a farm that got turned into a few plots of land for houses. So because we have to go out our main entrance, we have to drive by our neighbors every day. Um, And we have to be part of the neighborhood and they see us. We can't just sneak in and out. We are forced to actually engage our neighborhood. And I think that is really interesting that as much as the fence is an inconvenience, that's kind of the reality of being part of community, right? It's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. And and it's yeah. we get to see Mr. George and we get to see Linda and Dan and we get to see um, you know, the neighbors who walk their dogs. So we are forced to actually be in our community, which mm-hmm. is not a bad thing necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking too, you know, I should have gone back and actually read the parable. But if I remember Jesus's story of of the Good Samaritan you know, we tend to think of neighbors, like our definition of neighbor is someone who lives near to us, right? So it's the people who live close by. So we have this idea of people who are near and people who are far, and it's it's all about proximity. So our neighbors are those kind of in our space. Um, but Jesus doesn't <laughs> like, so, and the reason I like that is because then I sort of know who I'm responsible for or toward. I know who I'm called to love and serve. It just makes it really easy. And if I'm remembering that parable, the the, the man who came and, and questioned Jesus and said, you know, initiated the conversation, then said, well, who is my neighbor? And it seemed to be a way of saying, like, tell me how how much I have to do to sort of check it off and, and then what I don't have to do or don't have to worry about or who I don't have to worry about. So, who is my neighbor? Basically, who am I responsible for loving and who can I just not worry about? And, and then Jesus tells this story, this parable, and then asks the man, you know, who was, who was a neighbor to that, that wounded traveler? Who was a neighbor to him? And the man answers rightly. Jesus commends him and because the man says, the one who showed him mercy. So, Jesus doesn't let him off the hook because he doesn't say, well, you're right. These people are near to you. So, clearly, these are your neighbors. This is who you're called to love. He just says, the one who is a neighbor is the one who is showing mercy. 
The one who needs a neighbor is the one who is in need of mercy. Um, and so I'm, I'm thinking too, like, so with this, these people who put up this fence, who don't even live there, if there were no fence and you were just exiting that property, in a sense, you would have no neighbors there. There would be no one there, no one in need of mercy. <laughs> but now you have neighbors. They may not be there in, well, no, I'll say it. They are there embodied. They're embodied in that fence. And now they they really, I think, they don't need mercy maybe in the same way that, you know, that's that um, Samaritan, that, not the Samaritan, but the traveler needed it. But they, they do because they've behaved poorly. They have behaved poorly. They have not been neighbors to you. And so there they are ready to become neighbors when you show them mercy. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's just fascinating to yeah. me that the whole neighbor dynamic changes in that story, that it's it's not just about who's who's around, but it's who's in need. And what's so interesting is Jesus completely inverts the question because he takes it that one step further because the guy asks, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus' answer is, go and do likewise, and essentially saying, go and be a neighbor. Exactly. So, so it's actually yeah. a state of being. So we tend to think of neighboring as who are the people out there that I should care or not care about. And instead, Jesus says, you, you go be a neighbor to someone. Go be a neighbor. And mm-hmm. so I think that's part of what we talk about our kids and I when we drive by the fence. What does it mean? What does that actually mean? Like Jesus is actually inviting us to do something that's difficult, to choose to be a neighbor. What does be a neighbor mean? It means show mercy, show care where it isn't deserved. Be un- be the unexpected person who shows up and loves when love isn't expected. And what's been helpful for me is actually to make the connection between that feeling, that reminder about our fence and how Jesus essentially doesn't care. I mean, that's not fair because he cares about me, but, but the command to love my neighbor is not connected to whether my neighbor is lovable or not, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting to take that from my physical universe and apply it to the online spaces because part of what I've experienced coming back from South Africa and sort of re-entering the world of American online has been jarring. And I think what can happen is you can look at what's being said in many places and and have the similar experience that I feel about my fence, that there are people out there that are saying mean things or things I disagree with, or I just think they're straight up wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think our temptation is to believe then we are justified in a negative response to those people. And so for me, the challenge has been to say, oh, guess what? In my social media spaces, you too, dear listener, Feeling justified that we are right and somebody else is wrong does not let us off the hook of loving them, even when they feel, and I would say, especially when they feel unlovable. Did I thread that needle? I think I did. I think I communicated what I was trying to. And I just think if you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? He's all, hey, guess what? Love them more. Love them anyway. The justice or fairness question is a separate issue for him. He is commanding us to love them and their fences. Right. And we so easily, I know I have for years, feel like if we are neighboring well in our eyes, (laughs) if we are doing that, um, then we deserve a certain kind of relationship with our neighbor. We deserve deserve appreciation for our neighboring. And it's funny, I know I've joked with you, Lisa Jo, um, that this farmhouse we came to where we are blessed, and I'll use that word intentionally, blessed with many neighbors. Like you said, like blessings are 
are, <laughs> they're the good gifts that aren't always easy to receive and that can be really inconvenient. And um, yeah, I have learned here that my possibly inflated ideas of my own <laughs> identity as a good neighbor, right? I think, I care about my neighbors. Look at me doing it. Um, sometimes in interactions with neighbors, I realize, oh, they don't think I'm all that great. <laughs> they're actually annoyed. <laughs> so shocking. They, they're complaining about something we did. Oh. And on the one hand, it feels like, how dare you? Like, I've had that attitude. Like, gosh, how dare you? Like, everything we've done for you. How dare you? And yet I have to recognize like, oh, also, maybe I'm not as perfect as I think I am. You know, maybe, I, you know, maybe, yeah, some of the choices we've made on our property or things we've done um, haven't been as saintly <laughs> as I like to think. So I feel like I've been, I've been humbled in both ways, like humbled because I think now as John and I continue to try to serve our neighbors, like we talked about the Halloween placemaking last week, or hopefully this year we'll be back with our big neighborhood Easter egg hunt that we love to host, but haven't haven't had had in a while, that when we do those things, it won't be with a sense of, of deserving something in return, like deserving appreciation or deserving notice, but just love, just service. And at the same time, a humility that recognizes I still have work to do and seeing things from the perspective of others and in valuing their perspective, their home, their point of view, as much as I do my own. It actually is really hard sometimes to put yourself in someone else's shoes. It's so easy to see things from our our perspective. We had, yeah, we had an interesting neighbor encounter or two <laughs> recently. I shared before on the podcast that my husband's parents recently moved in with us. And as part of that, we are hoping to build a small cottage on our property for them. And um, they're like a little granny cottage. They're sometimes called a little mother-in-law cottage. But in order to do that, we have to go through the official process with our local government to be approved. It requires approval from the zoning board. And so there's a whole application and a whole process that that we've been participating in. And at the end of that process, there's actually a hearing where you go to the government building and you sit in front of, of the zoning board members and you present your case. Um, and ideally, and we did this, you alert all your neighbors ahead of time. And as I mentioned, we have a lot of neighbors. Oh, so, <laughs> so we wrote a letter. You have to let them know. Yeah, I walked around and dropped oh, it in everyone's wow. mailbox. The neighbors that we know personally, we reached out to with emails or phone calls just to keep everybody in the loop. Um, but even having done that, part of it is that the zoning, the, this is the funny part, the, the town, the government puts a big sign in front of your property. What? And it has, yeah, it has little leaflets in it. And it's like a big announcement. It's very bold. Like it's very noticeable. And it's basically alerting the whole community that we have requested some sort of change to the zoning code for our property. And there are all these little letters, like a little box with letters, you know, and people can stop and take one. But it's just, so and then, it's very like, here's our business. The neighborhood yes. all gets to have an opinion. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah, it's it, it was, it made me a little nervous the whole time the sign was out there because sometimes I'd be out walking Coco and I would see somebody pull over and grab one and I would like wave like, oh, hello. And you feel like, are they judging? Like, it's like being judged. You're just standing up there like, ah, please don't judge me badly. Exactly. 
So the letter actually invites them to attend this public hearing that we will have in front of the zoning board. So it's it's public, so anybody can come. Um, so the hope is that you have communicated well to your neighbors ahead of time so that there are no surprises at the zoning board. And um, the architect that we have been working with who has a lot of experience with these sorts of hearings, which is great because John and I do not, kept telling us um, it's so important to reach out to your neighbors can you even ask some of your neighbors who are in support? Can they write letters on your behalf? Can you maybe even ask them to come? He said, this is so important to show that there's support because you just never know who will show up and oppose. And if no one has shown up in support and there's even one person who opposes, mostly these boards are very conservative and they will probably deny your request. So he he kept telling us this and we just kept thinking, that's not going to happen. Who who would do that? That's not going to happen. We've talked to everyone. We 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 dropped off this letter. We invited people to to get in touch with us to ask questions or share their concerns. Well, this is where it switches from a Hallmark movie to a Lifetime movie. <laughs> yeah, because guess what? <laughs> yeah, so we had the hearing and. Um, Two things happened at a certain point in the hearing. So we, uh, bless these wonderful neighbors, we had two lovely neighbors write letters of support. And so we submitted those letters. And then at a certain point in the whole process, an official gets up and says, we're submitting three letters into the official record. But John and I knew we only had these two letters of support. So we looked at each other like, <gasps> dun, 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 you know, what? <laughs> what is that? Meanwhile, in this public hearing, there's hardly anyone there, but there's, so there's our family, basically. It's our family, the architect, our kids, we brought our kids, but there's one guy in the back on the other side of the room, and we have no idea who he is. Oh, no. Right? So they tell us there's these three letters, and as soon as they said that, I just, I just knew, I knew somebody wrote a letter opposing. Well, sure enough, some neighbors whom we don't know and who who did not respond to our reaching out, did not respond to our letter, instead submitted a letter in opposition, um, which it turns out we were able to show based on where they live, they would not even be able to see the cottage, <laughs> which we could have told them if they had reached out. And afterwards, as John and I talked about it, and then I'll get back to the mystery guy who was there, as John and I talked about it, I think the thing that that was surprising to me. It's not that they would oppose. I think that, you know, they had their reasons and we could have talked about it. And that is absolutely legitimate. Absolutely. And I told John, you know, if they had reached out, maybe emailed or given us a phone call to say, hey, you know, we're not comfortable with your plans and, and we're going to officially oppose. I think John and I would have, you know, we would have tried to talk them out of it. But at the end of the day, we would have said, hey, okay, you know, that's, you, you get to do that. Um, and I like to think that we wouldn't <laughs> have held it against them. I like to think that at least there still would have been a kind of open door for neighboring, for relationship, right? But instead, the way they did it by not, not reaching out, not responding, not asking questions, and instead just officially sending their opposition, it, it felt, you mentioned the, that slam, yeah. the slam door of the fence. That's what it felt like to me. Like, oh, they actually have no interest in relating to us. They have no interest in talking to us. They, they have no interest in that. And, um, and that surprised me because I'm, I'm used to 
the way John and I live, which is we're, we're always at least interested in a relationship with, with the people who live around us. But now as a sort of antidote to, to that not-so-good neighboring experience, this mystery guy in the back of the room. So at the very end of the hearing, mm-hmm. the board says, okay, we need to know who is here and stand up, sir, and tell us who you are and why you're here. And do you oppose or are you in favor? Were you so nervous at that point? Were you guys like, oh, no, so, like what if he opposes so it in person? Are you just dying? Yeah. And our architect was sitting next to us, uh, dear sweet Ed, and he's like looking at us and whispering, do you know him? Do you? And we're like, no, we're shaking our heads. We have no idea. So this this man gets up, Lisa Joe, and he, he begins speaking very eloquently. He introduces himself. The first thing he says is, I live down the street from the Purifoys. I saw the notice about the hearing. I was interested because I live in an old house as well, and it was actually built uh, for the daughter of the man who built the Pure Voice Home. Oh, my goodness. He says, I grew up in this area, but I'm from, I have been living in another area for many years, and I have a background in architecture. And where I lived before, I, um, I learned a lot about ADUs, which is what these little cottages are officially called accessory dwelling units. (laughs) And he says, I lived in an area where these ADUs were used to help intergenerational living, to help add density to a community without really altering the character of the community. And um, I am, he says, finally, (laughs) at the end of all this, I am very much in favor of approving this because I think um, our community will need to have more of this, you know, in the years ahead. And so on and so forth. And then he sits down and Jonathan and I <laughs> were like kind of elbowing each other. And what I was thinking is like, is this guy an angel? Where did he come from? I know. Who has the time to like come to a like random community hearing when they don't even live it? I'm I guessing know. he has in-laws he wants to move in at some point. Maybe he does, yeah. <laughs> but that's amazing. Yeah. And then during the break when the board was deliberating, we um, just sat and talked with him and had no idea. You know, he lives down the road and we have things in common and um, we're excited to reach out again. And it just, it meant so much that this strange neighbored us right like 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 came when we needed that kind of help we didn't know him we didn't ask but he showed up and showed mercy to us and shared his experience and advocated for us i mean the whole thing was so beautiful i i was like yeah i i I, (laughs) i know he's a real person but i still was thinking like (laughs) wow you you look like an angel sent by god (laughs) It's so encouraging to hear that because it's yeah. funny, that's the exact opposite experience that we had with those slam doors because here's somebody who really flung open a door you didn't even know was there, right? Like you didn't know he was there, you didn't know he was behind it, you didn't know there was a door and suddenly there he is showing you really what I would call spiritual hospitality. He's doing an act of hospitality in that moment, offering you something that you don't deserve that you haven't even asked for. Yeah, yeah, it was really beautiful. And to make a long story short, because I feel like now our, re- our listeners will want to know, it it ended up taking three hearings. We had to go back week after week for three three times. Was that it the was, first, <laughs> second, or third one? So which one was that? That was the very first one. Okay. Um, and then the others were just like deliberation. Um, oh and anyway, some other little s- small town government snafus. Um, 
but yeah, it, it, overall, it was a really fun experience and, and great to, to connect with, with these local, um, local people. But at the end of the day, they did approve our request. So now we do have permission. Um, it remains to be seen, you know, if we'll actually get this thing built, nothing is like that is ever easy, but we are going to try. Um, but yeah, it, 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 at the end of the day, it did, it did go our way and we're grateful. Wow, I love that. What an interesting set of conversations about neighboring and how it is both and. It's beautiful and picturesque and also challenging and requires us to neighbor. We are required to neighbor one another well, whether we feel like it or not. Like that's the part that's the most interesting to me, that your feelings about it and their worthiness, neither of those things seem to matter much to Christ. Right, right. The invitation is just like, do I ha- do am do I have an opportunity to hear to show mercy and love? And if the answer is yes, then you you have the opportunity to be a neighbor and to pursue that. And I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, we don't always feel like doing that. And it might be super inconvenient. And it might not be appreciated. You know, it might not be reciprocated. Right. I think mercy is a really helpful qualifier for me. I think I've always thought about it as just the love component, love your neighbor as yourself. But I think an element of love is showing mercy to people when they don't deserve it. And I think that's a more helpful way for me, I think, to face that fence when I drive by Mm, it now, to mm -hmm. think neighboring here is showing a kind of mercy to people who, there's got to be some degree of internal dissonance they are experiencing to respond in that way. And and I know if you're listening and you know anything about land or property law, you're probably thinking, well, there are also legal reasons. You know, if you drive, if you build a fence, people can't continue to use a right of way, which preserves your inherent right. I mean, I know all of that too. Um, we grew up, I used to be a lawyer once upon a time. So I'm aware of that. But I also know that there are other ways to have those conversations and right, it would have right. been nice to, to have a chance to have it that way. Um, but I think I will converse with that fence itself in a different way now. And I think, you know, Robert Frost's point in the poem is that good fences don't make good neighbors, essentially, right? Like he's saying fences are not great for us. There's a thing in nature that doesn't love a fence that's always trying to break it down and rot it and crumble it and destroy it. And I've always loved that recognition, I think, of, you know, Christ in his creation that is looking for community and not division. And so mm-hmm. whether it's here in my actual neighborhood or my online neighborhood, I really will hold on to mercy in a different way now when I drive by fences that make me angry. Because I confess, it, it's quite easy to become angry in the neighborhoods we live in online these days, and I don't want to. And I want to challenge myself to just love more, period. Like, show more mercy, period. And I'm, I don't I don't get that right a lot of the time, but it is something I now have a living reminder. And if you want to go and look at my fence and print out a picture and put it next to your computer, <laughs> you are welcome. You can go to Lisa Joe Baker and find me on Instagram or follow along with Christy because we all want to see this cottage come to life now. She's Christy Purifoy on Instagram. And thank you for your reviews friends because that continues to feel like a conversation among neighbors when you leave reviews Mm -hmm. for us wherever you listen to podcasts it really is helpful and we're so grateful 